Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing the novel Fingersmith and the movie The Handmaiden. Fingersmith was written by Sarah Waters and was published in 2002. And the film adaptation The Handmaiden, uh, directed by Park Chan-wook, came out in 2016. And this is such a great episode because it's a patron request. Mm -hmm. Our patron Pearl requested this episode and she actually suggested that we do it for Pride Month, which is exactly what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, that was a a great idea. Um, So we're actually doing this and another book focusing on LGBTQ representation for our other episodes. So yeah, uh, great suggestion. And just what a unique... Uh, adaptation this turned out to be. Yeah, so it is a lesbian-focused story, so we were very excited to talk about that. And so the book is set in Victorian England, Mm -hmm. and the movie is set in the 1930s in Korea during uh, the Japanese occupation. Yeah, so like such a interesting shift in like location and time period yes and you can kind of see how that new location and like the context for this story still like fits thematically yeah and everything that happens it's interesting because both both stories are very concerned with class Mm -hmm. and class divisions and in victorian england it's very much like oh the poor class the thieves you know the lower class and then these gentlemen and ladies and their wealth and in the movie it is also about the poverty aspect but it's also about like korea versus japanese yeah and that idea of people wanting to pretend to be more Japanese because the Japanese are in power at this time. Yeah, one of the characters in this the movie, the uncle, is kind of almost obsessed with being thought of as Japanese. He, like, yeah. marries a Japanese uh, woman and kind of wants to be thought of as Japanese. So, yeah. like, that idea of, because this story is a lot about deception and kind of, like, putting on different personas and, yeah. like, that fits really well with, like, this, this change. And, uh... The director who did this film is Korean Mm -hmm. and is probably most well known for having directed Old Boy. Which I have not seen. No. (laughs) I don't think it's really my style. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's an intense story, but a lot of similar themes, which is interesting, whereas like Old Boy is like this kind of revenge tale, but there's like a lot of deception and this like big plot and everything. It's more like not action focused. Yeah. But a lot more of those elements incorporated whereas this is more like relationships and kind of sexual deceit and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, more like power struggles, not like physical power struggles, but kind of like relational power yes, struggles. Yes, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I like that how you can see the connective thread between Old Boy and this, but in a totally different context. Yeah, and it's just so exciting to talk about an adaptation that really changes the setting so much. Mm-hmm. I love this. I honestly wish that more adaptations did this and took this risk. Yeah, and I was really shocked, like, for the most part, how extremely... There is a big shift at some point in the the adaptation in the film where it goes in a totally different direction than the book. Yeah. But uh, for a lot of it, it's very uh, accurate mm-hmm. and um, true to like the source material. Let's talk about the characters a little bit. Um, and they all have different names. 
in the story. So um, our main character, Sue, is the fingersmith, the maid, um, the lower class girl. And in the movie, she's called uh, Suki, but she's also called Okju and Tamako. So we are just going to refer to her as Sue. I'm like, I feel so bad not calling her by her Korean name, but she she was literally given three names in the movie (laughs) and it was just so confusing. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, like the other characters all have like either alternative names like uh, Gentleman in the book. He's called the Count in the film, but it's just kind of this persona name. So Mm -hmm. I think we'll just call him the Gentleman. And then there's the uncle. That's the uncle in both. So like really it's only... Uh, Sue, and then the other character, Maud. Yeah. In the movie, she's called uh, Lady Hideko. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just going to call them Maud and Sue. So just remember that Maud is the fancy higher class one and Sue is the poor girl. Yeah. It just, we ourselves will get way too For confused. For our own sanity. Yeah. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> we can't be bouncing around between names and be able to talk about it effectively. Yeah. Um, but so the book beginning uh focuses on the character of sue Mm -hmm. who grows up uh very poor but kind of in this interesting household yeah she has this kind of mother figure mrs uh suxby suxby very dickensian yes uh (laughs) which is funny because there's an oliver twist reference reference at the beginning of the book which i think is maybe a nod to that character and, you know. A lot of things about this book actually feel inspired by Charles Dickens, which yeah. is funny. Um, but, I mean, kind of like being these thieves, because Sue is brought up with Mrs. Suxby, who's like her foster mother, basically, because her own mother was hanged for mm-hmm. being um, like a thief, and she accidentally kills someone during one of her thieving runs. And, you know, the the fact that Mrs. Suxby earns money by, she calls it farming in infants yes so she farms babies like pays gets paid to like take in these babies and then sells them to other people sometimes yeah it took a while to get like a full explanation of how this worked because like at the beginning it's just like she has all these children and we're like what does she do with all these children yeah but eventually we kind of find out that she'll like raise them to a certain point and then sell them to people who like will need a servant a servant yeah in the Mm -hmm. near future uh, so Mrs. Suxby, Mr. Ibs, yeah. uh, is this guy, he's kind of like a locksmith, mm-hmm. but like mainly trades in like stolen goods. Yeah. There's just a really good part in the book explaining like how he interacts with thieves, how he kind of like talks them down in price, mm-hmm. uh, this whole kind of like interaction he has frequently, which I really loved. Yeah. And the movie is kind of similar when we first meet the character of Sue. She's in like a similar environment like there are babies around although they never explain that in the movie yeah which is kind of like one of those things that's like if you've read the book you know exactly what's going on but if not it's just like why are there all these babies in this house yeah the the book spends quite a bit of time early on at their house on uh, on lance street and introducing us to these characters but the movie really spends because these characters don't really matter play any kind of role in the film so it's like very briefly there's almost like just kind of a cameo by them mm-hmm. but the the story the plot really begins when a character arrives known as gentleman or yeah. in the film as the count mm-hmm. and he comes uh and has this uh plot that he's created where he wants to woo a young heiress uh get her to marry him 
and then he'll take her money and then just put her in like a madhouse. Yeah. Like in an asylum. Mm-hmm. To get rid of her. Mm-hmm. And he wants Sue to pose as her maid because he needs assistance in wooing her and convincing her to elope with him because she has an uncle who's her guardian and he won't let anyone come near her basically. So he kind of needs someone to be an in with this heiress, Maud, so that he can, you know, run off with her and steal her money. And Sue is going to get a cut of the fortune at the end of this. Yeah. And in the book, she kind of talks a lot about how, like, she's, like, she's 17 at this point and knows yeah. she's kind of going to have to, like, find her own way soon mm-hmm. uh, through whatever means to kind of, like, make her own life. And she also, I think, wants to, like, contribute to the house that she grew up in and to Mrs. Suxby in particular, kind of like make her own fortune. Yeah. So she feels really almost obligated by that to take this job on. Mm-hmm. She So she decides to do this. She poses as the maid. She arrives at the house. And this is where the movie kind of starts first. Yes. We get like a little bit at the beginning of Sue in her like, den of thieves, I guess, with all the babies. But then we see her going to this house and being made. And then once we're at the house and kind of familiar with it, that's when it's revealed this whole plot that she has with gentlemen. I really like this setup in the film, kind of because when she leaves, I mean, I don't even think we really know that she's no. like any kind of a She's thief. just getting on the train. Yeah, and that she's going to be a maid somewhere. And so we kind of get this introduction of her being a maid we were introduced to Maud. We get like a little bit of time with them. And then it's like, by the way, I'm a thief. And we, <laughs> then we get like gentlemen, like his plot that he gave to Sue and kind of what's actually going on. Yeah. So I thought that was a really effective way to kind of like. It was more visually interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of be like. Maybe even like simpler to just start it off being like, yeah, she's a new maid at this house and then to be clued into like what she's actually up to. Mm -hmm. Instead of having just all these scenes of explanation. Early on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just get us right to the house like as soon as possible, basically. Yeah. And so Sue gets to the house and starts being a maid to Maude. And right away, she's like, this woman seems, I mean, she's the same age as Sue. So she seems very young. She seems very sheltered. She seems really lonely and sad. And I think Sue, starts to feel bad for her right away and we learn too that Maud is also an orphan Mm -hmm. her mother died in childbirth with her and now her uncle is raising her and Sue sees right away that like the uncle is like kind of a shit and weird and maybe like a little crazy and mean yeah he's like I love in the uh I can't remember if this is a thing in the movie i don't think it is but in the book he's like obsessed with everything being quiet yeah like he can't have like any kind of like loud noises or talking at a normal volume is not okay with him yeah (laughs) and he's kind of gross and he also reminded me of like a dickens character yeah like he's constantly writing and like so his fingers are always covered in ink and then he'll like lick his fingers to turn pages and so his tongue is like black yeah and he's just kind of like a gross man yeah uh and we find out that, like, you know, he has Maud, his niece, with him, and she's kind of, like, you know, a secretary to him, and she'll also, like, read books to him and read things to him a lot. Yeah, he's apparently compiling a dictionary. Which was so vague and weird at first, like, re- hearing that in the uh, in the book. Yeah. I can't remember if that's the same explanation in the film or not. I don't think they really give one. No. Uh, yeah, he's, like, writing a dictionary, and I'm like, okay. That's weird. That's 
yeah, yeah, like file that away for later. <laughs> um, but we find out in the book that like he's like keeping Maud until she's twenty one. Yeah. So he won't let her marry. He won't let her like leave the home, do anything like that until she's twenty one, basically. Which is why gentleman has to like steal her away to marry her. Yeah. Because the uncle would never let her go. Mm-hmm. And in the movie. It's pretty similar, too, but we find out that um, Maude had an aunt who um, was married to her uncle and committed suicide. And it's kind of interesting because, so, like, he's her uncle by marriage, not by blood. In the book, he's her mother's brother, but in the movie, it's actually, like, her aunt's husband. Yeah. So she's not, like, actually related to him by blood, and he, he plans to marry her. Yeah, yeah, he wants to marry Maude yeah. when she's of age. Yeah. Which is, like, terrifying. Yeah, it's terrible. A much worse face, a, a, a much <laughs> worse fate, I should say, than in the book. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. it's fair to say. It's horrifying. <laughs> um, but so Sue is, you know, her her handmaid, handmaiden, uh, her, you know, what's what's the term in the book? The Maid? Made, I guess. Yeah, it's just made. <laughs> just made. It's the handmaiden thing got me thrown off. You're like, handmaiden, handmaid, the handmaid's tale? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Sue's her maid. And so there's an early scene where, like, uh, Maude has, like, a night terror where she, like, wakes up screaming. Yeah. And Sue kind of, like, goes to comfort her and kind of, like, try to put her back to sleep. And Maude is like, why don't you just, like, get in bed with me? Yeah. And Sue's like, oh. Okay, and so <laughs> it kind of becomes a recurring thing that Sue and Maude just like sleep in the same bed together. Yeah. And Maude kind of seems like a little fragile, maybe mm-hmm. is the right word. Yeah. Um, But like kind of a sad person and but seems very genuine and kind. Mm-hmm. And I think Sue, like you said, begins to quickly feel sorry for her and living in this like awful house. Yeah. Uh, Which, by the way, the house design in the film is awesome mm-hmm. it's kind of like a victorian looking home even though it's set in korea but then yeah. there's like a more traditional eastern uh kind of addition to the house yeah with like the sliding panels and like more of that kind of architectural look yeah it's a very interesting and cool blend of they even say it in the movie like western and eastern building yeah. styles which is really cool to see on like the characters interacting in this space and i feel like is kind of a nod almost to the source material of like yeah this Victorian. is the part yeah that would look like the home in in the book but then the more eastern looking parts of the house yeah and Sue starts to feel bad for Maude, and they actually start to connect a lot as well. And when you think about it, it makes sense. Like, the two of them are very isolated, and Sue, even though she's involved in this con, is completely separated from all the people that she used to know, basically her found family among the thieves. Yeah. And so the two of them really start to bond, and there's a key scene in both the book and the movie where Sue ends up kind of like filing down a sharp tooth for Maude with a thimble. And it's very erotic. Oh my God, yeah. Especially in the movie because Maude is in the bathtub Mm -hmm. when this takes place. And so it's very clear that the two of them are attracted to each other. Yeah, and she does it for a long, 
long time. Yeah. <laughs> Although, is this best dental practice? I, I was just wondering, I'm like, what does this do for someone's teeth to like file it down with a thimble? Like, I can't think about it too hard because it makes me cringe. I know. Also, the fact of like my tooth is sharp and hurting my mouth. I'm like, is that a thing that people experience? Yeah. I don't know. File down that tooth, baby. <laughs> Bust the thimble out. The two of them getting cozy together is interrupted when gentleman arrives at the house. And this is where the plan is really supposed to kick into high gear. Mm -hmm. And so he is giving Maude painting lessons yes. so that the uncle doesn't suspect anything is going on between them. But he's using this opportunity to woo Maude mm -hmm. and to get her, you know, on his side so that they can elope together. And Sue feels conflicted about this. At this time, like she's still sticking to the mission, but she's starting to feel bad for Maude and also to be kind of realize what an impossible situation Maude is in. Yeah. And I think at least in the book and I think in the film, too, you kind of get the impression Maude's not really into gentlemen like at no. all. And in fact, like she's very uncomfortable around him. He kind of like takes advantage of like, you know, being able to be physically intimate with her, but like she's like not but like also not doing anything to like stop it because he's like at this point her one way to escape this life. Yeah. And she there's a part in the book where she talks to Ma or talks to Sue about it and is kind of like, I'm going to be trapped here mm -hmm. and he's a way out for me. Yeah. And it's not really so it's funny because Sue was supposed to help Maude fall in love with gentlemen and kind of ease that process. And now it's more like, oh, well, I guess you should do it because you don't really have any other options. Yeah. Even though this option is unknowingly going to lead you to the madhouse. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a confrontation scene between Sue and gentlemen in both versions that I think is really good where Sue's kind of telling gentlemen to like back off a little bit. Yeah. That he's kind of like being too aggressive with her and mm -hmm. he needs to, you know, ease it. And, and Gentleman's like really cocky and is like, uh, she like, this is what you need to do. She loves it. Like, you yeah. don't know what you're talking about. And in the movie, he like grabs Sue's hand and like puts it on his junk. Yeah. But then Sue tells him, like, never put my hand on your tiny, tiny like, joke of a cock. Tiny <laughs> joke of a cock. <laughs> that was great. It was great. I, I it, it like, you know, didn't make the scene OK, but I was like, at least it ends on that note. Yeah. I mean, we're getting into these power struggles. Yeah. Because we see the way gentleman is treating Maude and we can see that Maude's uncomfortable. But we also know that she is agreeing to this because she feels like she has no other option because of the power her uncle has over her. Yeah. And of course, Sue feels like a little bit loyal to Maude and wants to help her. But she's like, but I can't sacrifice my own interests to help her. Yeah. Yeah. There's one part in the film. I forget when. I think it's like maybe before they actually escape. Yeah. Where they're sitting in like a circle and like. They just are all like exchanging these looks mm -hmm. with each other. And it's just like it kind of goes on for a little while, but it's like super interesting, just especially in hindsight by the end, like when you know what's happened, all the dynamics that are like kind of going on in secret between them. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Gentleman does propose and Sue and Maude kind of have this discussion later on about whether she should accept or not. Mm -hmm. But first... We get the sex scene. A very, very steamy. A very steamy sex, sex, scene, sex scene. Which is awesome. 
I was so excited to read about this in the book. Yeah. I was like, yes. Um, actually, I felt like this sex scene was a little too vague in the book. Like, it was steamy, but I was like, come on, give us more. <laughs> yeah. But we uh, we do get more later, which I was excited about. Yeah, it actually is, like, split up in two. And the film does it the same way because, like, there is a perspective shift uh, later where you get a lot of Maude's perspective. And it's like the second half of the sex scene. Yeah. And the book and movie both do the same thing where it's like the sex scene kind of ends, not abruptly, but kind of, and then you get yeah. the rest of it later. Which I loved. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the uh, it's it's played off in kind of a very playful way. At, not playful, but mm-hmm. like Maude is like, I don't know what to do with gentlemen. Like, yeah, what do you want me to want? do? And... Sue's in the book is like kind of being vague and like, ah, you'll kiss him and everything. And Maude is like, be specific. Give me, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a physical learner. I don't know if you know this about me. Like I need like that hands on Uh way of learning. And this kind of leads to like them them, kissing. Yeah. And then it's just kind of like building from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought both versions were great. Uh, The, the movie version is interesting because I think it, um, and, you know, we, we kind of had a similar discussion when we did when we talked about Blue's the Warmest Color. Yeah. And I mean, both are obviously uh, lesbian love stories, but both more importantly feature really extended sex scenes. Yeah. And in a movie directed by a man. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we both kind of felt in Blue's the Warmest Color, especially about the one sex scene. That was so long. That's so long. It's like 15 minutes long. It's just <laughs> like raunchy for the sake of it and just kind of like male gazy and it's just like it's not even part of the plot like it just cuts to it suddenly yeah and it's like not it's not like the first time they had sex it's not like a specific time it's It's just like one time they had sex and we're gonna show you everything yeah uh this i felt like is a much better um it still can be a little bit maybe male gaze male gazy yeah um but I do feel like it was still focused for the most part on telling a story and kind of like focusing on these two characters connections, especially it being the first time that they're having sex. Yes. And exploring that. And then when we see it from the second time, it's like cool because we're getting it from like the other person's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt important to the story and you knew why it was there. Um, I agree. I think some of the shots maybe were a little like, oh, look how hot these ladies are. Yeah. You know, and it isn't it sexy that they're like doing it together and all of that. But I definitely think like we know for a fact that the actresses in Blue's, Blue is the Warmest Color, like they've gone on the record saying that they were uncomfortable with yeah. how those, those scenes were shot with the director, with basically everything about the sex scenes. And we know that that was kind of a different process for this film. Yeah. uh, The director for The Handmaiden took a lot of, not precautions, but did a lot to make sure the actresses were comfortable. Like they rehearsed everything beforehand. So like everyone knew what was going on. It was an extremely closed set, meaning the camera was remote operated so I don't even know if the director was like actually on set or not. It mm-hmm. said besides the actresses, the only other person was a female boom mic operator. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the camera was remote operated, like everyone else was like sent home. Like, yeah. you know, ever no one else was on set. Uh, they had like a break room where they could kind of like 
collect themselves between takes. And he also filmed it early on. Yeah. It was like one of the first things they filmed just to kind of get it out of the way. And I think, too, it's really tough to say sometimes where, because this is a lesbian love story, right? So we want to celebrate that. You know, yeah. we don't want it to be this toned down, like, chaste affair. Like, we want to represent, like, female love and female sex in a awesome and sexy way but it's so difficult sometimes to find that line between like celebrating that and kind of like showing how women find pleasure in each other and then also kind of trying to stay away from that like exploitation yeah like eroticizing it and I think I mean we are not lesbians so it's really hard for us to say like does that feel like it it rides the line well or not I'm I feel like it, it kind of does, but I could also see maybe someone else thinking that it maybe doesn't. There's also definitely a trend that I think we've noticed where um, scene or movies that uh, feature a lesbian relationship will show the sex scenes like as much as they possibly can, like for yeah. like really long takes and stuff with like, you know, different positions and just yeah. like this whole thing. And it's like, you know, kind of in a positive light, but, you know, I don't want to say it's graphic, but, you know, showing a lot. Whereas, like, uh, stories that feature relationships between two men, even when the story's, like, a really positive relationship, like, um, uh, Call Me By Your Name, they still shy away from, like, really showing any sex between men. Yeah, or if they do, it's, like, really quick and, like, hurried and kind of vague. Yeah. It's not, like, erotic. It doesn't yeah. feel like sexy. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, like Brokeback Mountain. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like this weirdly aggressive. Yeah. Like you can tell they're passionate, but it's like not. It's not tender and sweet. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just kind of a, a continuing trend that I think we've noticed in, in films where uh, female sex scenes are like, there's just a lot more shown typically. Yeah. Um, but eventually, even though they have sex, Maude decides, decides to accept, um, gentleman's proposal. And yeah. Sue kind of tells her to do, do it. She's like, you know, you should accept, you should do it. And there's kind of this actual, like, f- more direct fight yeah. over, because like in the book, after they have sex, there's kind of this awkward moment where Sue kind of like almost denies it happened. Yeah. Passes it off like a dream. Yeah. And then it's kind of like this awkwardness between them afterwards. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the film, they kind of have a more direct argument over like what's going on between them. Should Maude accept this proposal? And yeah. And And Sue Sue says that she should. Yeah. She's more upfront and just like, you should still do this, Mm -hmm. which leads to like a really kind of tense moment between them. Yeah. Maude ends up like slapping Sue and throwing her out of her room. And so it does feel like there's this rejection, which I think I, I at least like for the film. Yeah. I won't say it's better than like what the book does, but I think it works well for the medium. Yeah. So we get to the part where, the elopement's going to happen. Sue and Maude are going to sneak out of the house and meet gentlemen by the river and get out of the house. And it all goes smoothly. They don't really run into any issues. No one catches them. Yeah. They run away just fine and they go to get married. Yeah. It's really funny because this book is uh, my copy. The paperback copy was like just under 600 pages. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like. 200 and 
change. You know what I mean? Pages like when we're at not this even point. halfway. Yeah. And I'm like, where's the story going? <laughs> like, it feels like this should be like the entire novel. Yeah. And like, we're still so early on. Yeah. That, like they're into this plan of like, you know, ditching mod in the uh, madhouse. Um, but yeah, everything I kept waiting for like something to interrupt it. Yeah. Like some big shift, but just never happened. No, uh, they quickly get married, gentlemen and Maude. Mm-hmm. And then they spend time like in a cottage, uh, kind of hiding out. They're like trying to get uh, the money that it is, you know, legally mods and now, you know, legally gentlemen's. Yeah. Uh, and Sue is still with them. And Maude, we just kind of see declines Mm -hmm. especially in the book she just becomes like depressed she's not eating she just seems like she's out of sorts and is really struggling with being married or leaving her home and this part of the story is kind of very vague like we don't really know what's happening because sue is clearly like let's just get it over with let's just get it over with like let's just get Maude into the madhouse she's clearly feeling bad about things but not enough to want to stop it and so she's like let's just keep this moving forward yeah something i just i i appreciate or i like is the fact that sue like she has a lot of reservations about what's going on, but she never really turns back from it. Yeah. She's still kind of committed to everything. Yeah. And so you see kind of how shitty she's willing to yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. And eventually, uh, gentlemen, according to the plan, gentlemen brings a couple doctors from the psych hospital. Mm-hmm. He lies to Maude, apparently, about like who they are. Yeah. And they interview Maude. They interview Sue about Maude, about what's been going on with her. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, they get in the car and gentlemen's like, oh, we're going to go on a, a fun trip yeah. to the madhouse. They get there and we get the wild moment where... They get out of the car. Gentleman's like, I've brought my wife for you and basically points to Sue. Sue. And then they take Sue to the madhouse. And Maude is like, oh, my God, they're taking my. My my poor mistress. And And, you're like, what the fuck is happening? And Sue is just like, what is as she's getting like dragged away? Yeah. Uh, And is screaming and is like, I'm not I'm the maid. I'm not her. And you're immediately like. Oh my God, Maude was in on this plan. She yeah. had to be. This was such a fun moment in reading the book. Yeah. Because up until this point, you're reading kind of this like, almost like a melodrama, mm-hmm. you know, this story of these two women and their circumstances. And you're kind of waiting for something to happen. And then it shifts into this like spy, devious. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you get the the rug pulled out from underneath you and you're like, ooh. Well, it's like you forget you know, like the story starts off, like you said, about like deception and like trickery and, yeah. you know, a con man and like this this big con. But then you get so wrapped up in this like romance mm-hmm. and what are the characters going to do that you forget that you're dealing with like a bunch of deceitful, deceptive people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. And and the book did establish like. At least I think more than the um, the film did, at least in terms of like. Maud gives Sue like some of her clothes, yeah. kind of insists on Sue taking and wearing some of her clothes. And it's mentioned on a couple occasions how similar they look. Yeah. You know what I mean? They could almost pass for sisters. It's mm-hmm. so, like some of this stuff is like sprinkled throughout. Yeah. So when this moment does happen, you're like, oh my God, it was all building to this. Yeah. And then we get um part two of this story. 
where we're suddenly in Maud's perspective. And we go back to Maud's childhood and she's kind of telling us and we're hearing about how she grew up. And she's also an orphan. You know, her mother died in childbirth with her. And in the book, she was actually raised in a madhouse because her mother was put in a madhouse. Yeah, she spent her childhood there, kind mm-hmm. of being raised by like the nurses, spending a lot of time around people who were like mentally unwell. Yeah. Until eventually she's like collected by her uncle. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, as a kid is is in her uncle's home. And she suffers a lot of like physical abuse yeah. in the book by like the um the staff who work at the house mm-hmm. and by her uncle directly in yeah. the film it's like most specifically by her uncle. Yeah, it's physical abuse, it's you know mental and emotional abuse as well. The book specifically says that the uncle calls her being broken like an animal, like yeah. a horse, like you would break a horse. And it's really tough to read about and in fact Maud ends up becoming abusive towards her own maid. Almost like seeing how this torture that she's suffered at the hands of others has made her hurt someone else. Yeah, I really liked, because I do think it's pretty honest that like if you deal with something like that, there is a really good chance, unless you're like seeking, you know, counseling and like healthy, you know, coping mechanisms, you can easily turn around and, you know, just do the same thing to others who you're in control over. Yeah. So, you know, she's being raised in the um, in the film. Her aunt is at the house. Yeah. Who is kind of there for her as well. Mm-hmm. And Maude begins to be trained in the art of reading aloud from books. Yes. And this is where we get what I think was an even wilder twist. I know. Than the Sue being thrown in the madhouse portion where we discover that the uncle's the dictionary. the dictionary the uncle's working on and his library of books it's all pornography yeah like old pornography yeah mostly um like what we would call erotica so like yeah. um porn fiction like written down there are pictures as well in yeah. some of them but it's mostly like written and the uncle is creating like a catalog mm-hmm. like an encyclopedia type thing or an index Of all of the porn volumes that he's collected from the world. Now, in the film, he seems more focused on um, he's actually creating like forgeries of this work to sell to people. Yeah. And that's what uh, Gentleman's actually there to help him with, because Gentleman's kind of being more employed by the uncle directly. Yeah. In the book, he is he just talked about uh, trimming and like mounting like some of his artwork and prints. Yeah. And in the in the film, he's helping him create forgeries, but we don't know that it's like this erotic material mm-hmm. until this moment. And it like there once again, there's like so many hints about this. Like in the uncle's library, there's like a marker in the book. It's like an arrow on the floor in the movie. It's like a serpent statue that you're not allowed to walk past. Yeah. And the uncle makes some weird thing excuse about like, oh, I don't want your eyes to like taint my books. Yeah. And you're you're like, like, oh, he's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, he's super weird. So like, of course he thinks this, but you realize it's because like, he doesn't want you to get close enough to be able to read the titles of the books. Yeah, because it's literal porn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is like super twisted because Maude is really young in both versions when she's exposed to this. And he literally is 
putting this material in front of her when she doesn't understand what it is and wants her to read it. And so his idea of fun or like having like this person in his power is kind of desensitizing this young girl to sex and pornography so that she can read it somewhat dispassionately for his own pleasure. Yeah. It feels very like kinky in a way, but not, he's not physically abusing her as far as we know. No. But it feels twisted. Yeah, I was like waiting for like another layer to it, but we never were told that he was like, Molesting I mean, he, her. he beats her. Oh, yeah. But he's not sexually abusive to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really love this kind of aspect of the story in terms of, like, the themes. Yeah. Because, like, it's kind of about how the uncle is, like, hijacking her sexuality for his yeah, own like use. taking it away from her. Yeah, and, you know, it, like, belongs to him now. And he uses it, like, he'll have these men come over to the house and she'll do readings from these books yeah. for these men. And kind of just about how he's, like, taken her sexuality from her. And I just really kind of love that idea, especially just in terms of, like, this story's about Maude and Sue kind of discovering their sexuality and reclaiming it to a degree. Yes. And so to find out that the uncle has been doing this the whole time, just the way that ties in, Mm -hmm. I think is really effective. Yeah. And in the movie, you know, Maude's aunt was the one that was doing these readings. Yeah. And she ends up killing herself. Mm -hmm. And it's very upsetting. And in the movie, we also find out that maybe the uncle killed her because she tried to run away. And then, like, posed oh, her hanging yeah. to make it seem like she killed herself. So it's very, very fucked up, like, super weird power dynamics. And these readings, which uh, Maude also does in the book, are very dramatized in the movie. Yes. And in fact, that one part where she has to get in that sex swing with the dummy. <laughs> I know. I, I was, was like, what is this? I know. I'm like, is there something more to this than just her swinging from this, like, wooden dummy? Like, I'm like, she's not actually, like having sex with it, right? No, it's it's just just for, like, reference, I guess. (laughs) There are scenes, too, where Maude is reading from, like, a text that's, like, very S&M, BDSM type thing, where a woman is, like, whipping a man. Yeah. And then we get these shots of, like, Maude whipping these men that are in the reading. Yeah. And I think they're all happening in these men's minds. Yeah, I didn't really think that but you bringing that up I'm like I bet you're right like I didn't really like get that context but I think it makes the most sense those are the only scenes that are ever like her being somewhat intimate or like physically involved with any men yeah which doesn't really fit for her character so I do think that it's just them because it's all these scenes of them being like very hot and bothered as she's reading (laughs) and then cutting it with these scenes of them getting like whipped so kind of like them imagining her doing this to them I do love all those shots of the men in the stands just like (laughs) shifting in their seats and like looking sweaty and like this is the thing Ian and you know what this reminds me of this reminds me of strip clubs Uh, yeah and I'm like why do people like strip clubs (laughs) why wouldn't you just go to a hooker I I mean yeah it's just like hey you want to go and like be aroused but like 
with like all of your friends and like you're not going to be able to like get off or anything yeah and if you get off it's going to be like awkwardly like in your pants or like in the car on your way home and you're like you can do that for free at home like we can masturbate at home for free i don't know if you know this i i i do not fully uh i don't get it someone explain strip clubs to me yeah please uh tweet at us email us explain (laughs) the appeal of strip clubs like i mean i get there's like a upper level of like you know more burlesque yeah or like you know pole dancing that's like much more of a dance and like choreographed that's like you yeah know, more of an art form but i'm talking about like seedy gross like weird strip clubs that's what we're talking about yeah exactly i do really love though the film making this uh these readings much more theatrical yeah and a bigger because like the book is a little weird because like Maud's role is kind of a dual purpose where like she is her uncle's secretary and like helping him with his work. Yeah. But she's also doing these readings for the men. And it feels like I can't tell like if he's showing her off kind of. Yeah. And I can't tell if like the readings are what's really important to him or if it's just her secretarial work or maybe just both. But like it seems more the readings in the book are like just kind of this fun quote-unquote fun thing like they gather in the parlor and it's just like a few dudes yeah and it feels like it's usually the same few dudes that like do it you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like it's a small group um but it kind of feels like okay what's the purpose of this really yeah you know why the uncle seems to like really care about this but also it doesn't seem like it's for the benefit of many people and it doesn't seem like is he selling tickets what's going on exactly yeah whereas like in the movie i think it's like much more of a yeah there's multiple people who come and watch it's like a bigger production yeah so to speak and like he's doing it for the sake of like selling the books Mm -hmm. like i just think like it kind of makes more sense in the film as to like what the what the business strategy is here. Yeah, and why he wants her to do this. Yeah, and like why it's important to him. And why he wants to keep her and have exactly. her. She's like a financial asset to him. Yeah. So I think this was like it's definitely more in the style of like what the film's going for. Like I don't think the it wouldn't have fit well in the book, but mm-hmm. I do think it kind of makes more sense to a degree. Yeah, and Maud's life is interrupted by the arrival of gentlemen. And he gives her a proposition and is basically like, I see what you've been made to become with your uncle. And he's like, when I heard about you, I did I wanted to like elope with you, make you fall in love with me, make you marry me and steal your money. But now I feel bad for you and I know that it would be impossible to seduce you because your sexuality has been taken away by your uncle. And instead, I want to elope with you and then split the money so that you can be free. Yeah, it's much more of an even proposition with Maude that he makes. Yeah. And I think she's hesitant, but like also intrigued. Mm -hmm. And part of his plan is he's like, we need someone who we can trick to become you and be put in a madhouse. Yeah. Does this make any sense, though? Well, because he's like, she'll become you and then you can become whoever you want. Yeah, you'll so be free. I For that part, I do kind of get like, oh, well, she can leave the name of her uncle behind. Yeah. And all her connections to him and she can kind of like reinvent herself completely. And everyone will think that she's in the madhouse. So that part kind of made sense, but also I was like, well, why couldn't they just elope and then split the money and then she could just fuck off wherever she wanted? Yeah, just kind of like 
run away, basically. Yeah. And, like, I think this could have been easy. And I, I, you know, in the book, there is another twist on this one Mm -hmm. that kind of negates this, at least from Gentleman's perspective. Yeah. But... This is the story that Maude is told in the book. Yeah, that and she, she believes. It. Yeah, so like it does have to hold up under scrutiny from like that point of view. At least for her. And also Gentleman being kind of like, oh, I feel bad for you and I want to help you. I'm like, mm, would he though? I know. You I, know? Yeah, at least from the reading perspective, I think you're like, uh. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I don't know. In the It's like in this plot, you know, they put Sue in the madhouse under Maude's name. But to what purpose? Because, like, if the uncle tracks her down to discover Sue in the madhouse, she's going to be like, you're not my fucking niece. Yeah. And then is going to continue to look for her, probably. Yeah. So I I guess I just it'd be one thing if, like, if Sue was in the madhouse and, like, no one was allowed to see her. Yeah. And then the uncle would just assume Mm -hmm. it's really her in there. Uh, without any kind of visual confirmation, like even just a brief bullshit explanation like that, I think would have satisfied me a little bit more. Yeah. But I was like, he'll be able to visit her, right? Yeah. And later on, Sue <laughs> does get a visitor uh-huh. from someone who knows it's not Maude. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's a big glaring hole in whatever this plan is. I totally agree. But we do get to see Sue arriving and the interactions between Maud and Sue now from Maud's perspective. And this was a really enjoyable part in the book for me. Yeah. Surprisingly, because we're literally just like reading the same shit that we were just reading, but it's from a flip perspective. But it was actually very interesting and entertaining. It's really shocking that it was as engaging as it was because you are just like retreading. I mean, I think it does, you know, it's not everything that was included in the first part. And you get additional parts, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it skims over a lot of parts that like aren't as necessary. But, you know, you are still retreading like a lot of the same beats. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, just getting Maud's point of view is like really fascinating. And I think the movie does some smart things too with this where um, it's funny because like in the book, that night terror she has yeah. early on was genuine. Yeah. Uh, which I think was surprising. And, you know, so Sue coming to help her and like everything was like kind of a genuine moment between them. Mm-hmm. But that felt like really early on for me for them to have like a genuine moment. Yeah. So I like in the movie, it's revealed that like her night terror was like fake, fake just to like kind of, you know, deceive Sue and make her seem either weak or like, you mm-hmm. know, manipulated or whatever. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, from, you know, Maud's perspective, getting to know Sue and also feeling like Sue is like taking care of her mm-hmm. and getting to feel that someone cares about her for the first time. Yeah. Even if it's because Sue is doing it for her own selfish reasons, she can't help responding to it. Yeah. Um, And she really starts to fall in love with Sue. And whereas Sue... From her perspective, it really felt like she was denying that she was in love with Maude. Mm-hmm. Maude is very kind of explicit, like, I'm in love with Sue. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that could be, too, the fact that, like, she's clearly read porn and knows that, <laughs> like, some women are into other women. Yeah. And for Sue, that might not be something she's really, like, I mean, she's probably heard about it, but maybe didn't really know that that was something that she could be a part of yeah or like consider for her own life or anything Mm -hmm. yeah i also really like in the film how when they have that because we you know we find out in the film as well that mod 
is abusive to like the other servants and maids and like yeah. is kind of shitty towards them. So I do like when they have when Maud and Sue have that confrontation later about mm-hmm. whether she should marry gentlemen, how she does slap Sue and yeah. kind of like drag her out of the room, how you see that side of her kind of like coming to the surface a bit, mm-hmm. how that facade of her being like meek and like yeah. very kind kind of slips away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And of course we get the sex scene from Maud's perspective, mm-hmm. which I loved getting to see that um, just the, you know, we, it's a little bit extended. We get more, mm-hmm. which is fun. And yeah, she's, I think Maud is definitely conflicted and she seems unsure about the plan, but gentleman is very much like, we made a deal, like we have to do this. Yeah. This, around this time, is when we get the shift in the book to movie version. So we will just talk about the book version from here yeah. to the end and then kind of come back and explain that like divergence mm-hmm. uh, that the film takes around this point. Yeah, because up until now, it's pretty closely followed, but like you said, they really sharply diverge. So it just makes more sense to talk about the book from now on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, they they make their escape together. And I really love that it's so there's such an irony to it because like both Sue and Maud are, you know, deceiving each other and planning on throwing each other in the madhouse. Yeah. And they both go through with it. Up until the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really appreciate that. Like, if at any moment they had actually just talked about it, they would have, like, known the truth. They would have known this double cross. And they could have, like, maybe gone against gentlemen. But yeah. they both go through with the whole thing. Yeah, they're both, I think, self-interested enough that despite their growing love for each other, mm-hmm. it's still like, well, I have to do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so from Maud's perspective, I mean, she at this point is just like, also super bummed and sad about like what about betraying Sue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we find out that the doctors, when they showed up to the cottage and talked uh, to Maud, they had told the doctors like, oh, the um, uh, what's the last name? Miss uh, Lily. Yeah. They're like. Miss Lily uh, has had like a nervous breakdown and she now thinks that, that like she's the maid. that she's the maid and <laughs> that the maid is like Miss Lily. And they're like, oh, my God. And so that kind of explains when Sue talks to them. Yeah. Why that, you know, conversation sounded normal. But the doctors were secretly like, oh, my God, this is so fascinating. Wow. She really thinks she's the maid. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> so uh, women are so hysterical. Oh, uh, they're so crazy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Sue gets thrown in the madhouse and then Maud and gentlemen go off to London. And mm-hmm. the plan is the other thing. Sorry, just real quickly, is that like. From Sue's perspective, when was gentlemen going to get the money like he didn't have the money yet when they threw Maud in the madhouse? Like, yeah. is just having like the marriage certificate enough to be like, I guess, hey, this is her. Well, technically, from Maud's perspective, too, like. His wife, quote unquote wife, is in the madhouse. So how's yeah. he going to get the money? That's true. And they honestly never really clear this up in the no. book. Like what happens with the money? So Maud expects them to go to London to someplace to like an apartment to hang out until they get the money. And then they'll go their separate ways. But instead, gentleman takes her to Mrs. Suxby's house, who was the foster mother of Sue in this den of thieves in like, you know, the poor part of London. And this is super bizarre. 
I know. Like, I loved that um, from Maud's perspective, like she's describing these like weird alleys that they're going through. And honestly, it was only until the moment before they walked through the door that I was like, oh, my God, they're walking to Mrs. Suxby's house. And it's, it's funny, too, because we get to hear these characters described by Maud. Yeah. And of course, they're like, oh, these terrible, gross, like disgusting <laughs> people in this dim and like smoky kitchen and uh, where we had already heard Sue talk about it in more familial terms because that's where she grew up. So at this point, we are unshocked to find out the gentleman has double-crossed Maud yes. as well. And we find out that Mrs. Suxby is actually the mastermind behind this whole plot. Yeah. And from Maud's perspective, it's uh, it's this weird thing where she's like, going crazy and is like, I want to leave. This is nuts. And Mrs. Mm-hmm. Suxby's like, oh, dear, like, please, like, it's fine. Like, you're yeah. fine. Also, we're locking the doors, but you're fine. Like, it's okay. Why yeah. don't you put on this dress? You're you're comfortable here, right? And Maude is just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And Mrs. Suxby tells this very complicated story. And we will try to sort it out for you here, but it is batshit, honestly. It is. It's dense. Uh, essentially... Maud's mother, who died in childbirth, Mm -hmm. did not die in childbirth. And in fact, she got pregnant to some other man. We're never married. Yeah. And when she was pregnant, she went to Mrs. Suxby's house to have the baby. Because I guess that's something Mrs. Suxby like offered. It's one of her business services. Yeah. One of her tiers of her like uh, subscription. Yeah. But. Maud's mother was planning to run away with her daughter because her uncle or her brother and her dad were looking for her and, you know, were trying to, like, take her away and take her child away from her, all this stuff. And, but then the brother and the dad are on their way. Like, they found her. Yeah, she had her baby. Mm-hmm. Um, But they're... And, and this whole part was, like, also a little contrived. It's yeah. like, oh, my God, they know where you are. Like, some woman shit says, like, I had to they're tell them... They're on their way. They're on their way. For some reason, they're not here yet. They'll yeah. be here in an hour, but they're coming. <laughs> you have an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and Maud's mother was, like, terrified. Well, I shouldn't say Maud's mother. Yeah. Because... It's discovered that this woman who she's telling the story about named her baby Sue. Yeah. And that Mrs. Suxby and this woman ended up switching these babies. And, you know, Mrs. Suxby just took one of her infant that she infants that she had on her farm and was like, we'll switch them out because she wanted her daughter to this noble woman wanted her daughter to grow up not with her family and wanted her to grow up modestly and wrote this will out that said, Sue will inherit half of my fortune when she turns 18. And, you know, this, you know, changeling child, this kind of person who's stepping in to pretend to be my daughter will also get the other half. And that's Maud. So it's super bizarre, but we actually find out that Sue is the is supposed to be the noble woman in yeah, this scenario. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and that Maude was the one who, you know, comes from humble yeah. uh, origins, basically. Um, and that this entire plot was orchestrated by Mrs. Suxby because she wanted to get both halves of this fortune. Yeah. Because I guess since she was raising Sue, 
Sue would get one half, meaning she would basically get one half. Yeah. But she also wanted the other half that was going to, to Maud. So then she was like, I know, I'll come with the, up with this elaborate scenario where we switch them in a madhouse. This is the part that did not make sense to me, Ian. No. The plot to get both of them and why they had to like, first they switch them at birth and then they're going to switch them again. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, at this point I was like, wait, so... Sue is basically guaranteed one half of this fortune. And Mrs. Suxby, like, raised Sue. And so, like, she won't have that money, but she basically will. Like, that'll be, you know, Sue would be very... uh, Willing to give that to her. Yeah, I mean, Sue went to do this whole scam... For Mrs. Suxby. For Mrs. Suxby, basically. So, like, Mrs. Suxby basically had that one half. So, why didn't they just do the more straightforward gentleman... Like, we find out at this point the gentleman had this whole plan with Maude to be like, hey, I'm going to bust you out of here. And yeah. like, you know, and Maude was like, cool. So like, why did they have to do the part with Sue going in to be the maid so yeah. that they could fuck her over and put her in the madhouse? It, it does not make sense, Ian. It I've thought about it a lot. And it and even more complicating this, we are revealed even later in Maude's storyline that her true mother is actually Mrs. Suxby. Yeah, it wasn't just a random baby that she, she gave. Yeah, it was her own child, which I guess was for the purpose of like when she did get Maud back, she could reveal this to her and maybe like ingratiate herself towards her to be yeah. like, I'm your actual mother. You should give me this like half of your fortune. But yeah, the half of the fortune's going to gentlemen anyway, isn't it? I don't know, Ian. I, don't. I truly do not know. It is so complicated. And then they're like, oh, Mrs. Suxby is actually the mom. And I'm like, well, that explains why she wants Maud to like her. And why she has all these dresses and things she saved for yeah. her. But it doesn't explain any of like the plot situations at all. No, it is so. And, you know, this is something that I think it's really hard to do a big kind of twist or multiple twists throughout a story like this where it makes sense and not just for the sake of having a twist. Yeah. Because. You know, it did because even in the first twist where we find out Maude is actually in on the plan. Yeah. Like we were saying, does it make sense to put Sue in a madhouse in Maude's place? Like, I don't that think one so. wasn't too bad, though. Like, I could have accepted it because I could have as well. The story interesting and then getting to read it from Maude's perspective was really cool. But then when we got to this twist and the double like all these twists that happened after I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It's like a little too complicated for me to follow, which makes me not care. Yeah, you just can't. I don't know. It's hard to even like wrap your head around like, especially the whole will thing. Yeah. And like, okay, so half of Maud's fortune. But then she, I guess the mom had to change her will because they put her in a madhouse and then it was changed. I don't, I don't know. But then she has the original will. And I'm like, what is the legal what legal legs are they standing on here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and they need Maud to like pretend to be Sue now. I know it's too many people pretending to be other people. I know Sue and Maud have just switched places like way too many times in this story for it to make like any sense. Let's pick up with Sue though, yes. because we go back to we go to part three in the book where Sue is in the madhouse and she's like, "Oh, can you believe that Maud tricked me? Like, I hate Maud so much." definitely not dreaming about her and thinking about having sex with her. Like, no, I want to kill her. I'm definitely holding on to this glove of hers because I hate her so much. Oh, yeah, she holds on to the glove. Yeah, and bites it. And yeah. Yeah. 
Um, this is a pretty extensive portion of the book, Her in the Madhouse. And it's interesting, but also like... It just sucks. It sucks. And like the whole part before this with Maude in Mrs. Suxby's home, where she is basically also a prisoner. Yeah. And Maude actually escapes briefly for one point, mm-hmm. uh, only to be fucked over by someone, realize she has nowhere else to go and has to go back to Mrs. Suxby. Yeah. And so, like, that was really depressing and rough to read about. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, by the way, let's go to Sue. Who's literally chained. Yes. In a madhouse and has these nurses who are just cruel and, you know, physically abusive to her and all these awful situations. We have Sue actually starting to believe that she might be crazy because no one will believe her that she is the maid and not Maude. And but this... A uh, litany of horrors is interrupted by Charlie, who was one of the servants at the house where Sue was made to Maud, comes to visit and he's like, oh, you're not Maud. Yeah, he goes to visit Maud and is like shocked. Yeah. Because poor Charlie. I know. He's such a simple soul. He's, yeah. yeah how, how young is he? I don't know. Like 12 maybe or maybe. something. Uh, but he like loved gentlemen because I mean, gentlemen was putting on a whole song and dance at the house being like super nice and cool. Yeah. And Charlie really wanted to be his like personal servant. Yeah. So he literally left the house to try to track him down. Ended up finding Sue at this madhouse. Yeah. And Sue sees her chance and she's like, oh, I know where he went. I can bring you to him. He's in London. If you get me out of here. And so Charlie gets her like a blank and a file. And so she's able to make a key to yeah. escape the madhouse. I did like th- th- what she had to do. Yeah. Like pushing the key into like this uh, grease to like uh-huh. make an imprint so she could like match the fake key. And mm-hmm. I thought that was all kind of like fun and interesting. Yeah. Uh, she does escape. Yes. And what's not interesting, Ian, is... Them just being in London and like hanging out. Oh my God. Because Sue is like, oh, well, I have to like, you know, make sure that Maude and gentlemen don't catch me. She goes back to Mrs. Suxby's house and then spies on the house and sees that Maude and gentlemen are there. And in her mind, she's like, oh, Maude is stealing my life. Yeah. And I'm like, Sue, why would anyone want to steal your life? Your life was shit. (laughs) Like, why? Let's think about this, honey. Like, no one wants to take your life. No one wants to live in this house with a woman named Mrs. Suxby. (laughs) She sucks, okay? It's literally in the name. (laughs) Uh, She just, yeah, she's really not, um... Not thinking things through. No. And similarly, I feel really bad because she's just dragging Charlie along for this entire ordeal. Yeah. And Charlie is just like, he has nowhere else to go. I know. And like. Still believes that maybe gentlemen will like hire him as his servant and he can like live a better life. And I'm like, oh, you poor dumb kid. You poor child. And like. Sue is just, like, taking advantage of him. Like, she literally takes him out onto the street and, like, makes him cry for strangers. So, so they can like, get money. So they can get money. <laughs> uh, I do like, though, it just kind of showing how Sue is kind of a shitty person. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I like that. I genuinely do like that about her character, though, how they don't try to make her, like, too pure or kind no. or, like... Like, no, she has been totally fucked over, but and she's like willing to almost do anything to like get back home and fuck over those people that wronged her that wronged her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she 
finally confronts Maud and Mrs. Suxby. And she's trying to like tell Mrs. Suxby because she thinks that Maud has tricked Mrs. Suxby. Yeah, she has no idea Suxby has any involvement in this scheme. Which is really sad because, you know, Sue genuinely believes that Mrs. Suxby is like a mom to her and loves her. When literally Mrs. Suxby was like, yeah, throw Sue in the madhouse and then we'll get the money. Like she did not care at all. She only cared about her own daughter, even though she raised Sue. And so we get this confrontation and then gentlemen arrives and it's really unclear about kind of what happens, but there is like a physical struggle for the knife that Sue has brought. Yeah. And gentlemen get stabbed right in the stomach. It's unclear who did it. It was either Mrs. Suxby or Maude, but I think, I think it was Maude. I think it was Maude also. Yeah. But, and then of course, Charlie, who's there for this horrifying <laughs> this ordeal, runs into the street and starts shouting murder. Yeah. The police arrive and then, you know, John, this one character that's there, says when the police get there, Mrs. Suxby did it. And Gentleman's fucking dead. Yeah. I did. I did think this whole death scene from Gentleman was like terrifying or horrifying, but like kind of just him like slowly bleeding out. Yeah. And they're like, we can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of don't even try. It's just horrifying to be like that. That's what would happen to somebody in that situation. Like you really can't save them, especially at the time, you know? Oh, yeah. And they don't want to bring any doctors or anything because like they can't have like their house is just full of stolen contraband and like all this like fake money. And they're like, we can't bring police or anyone Mm -hmm. here. So they're like, sorry, sorry, we're just going to watch you die. Yeah. And then when the police arrive, Mrs. Suxby is like, yeah, I did it. And she's taken into custody. And then, you know, we have some time where, like, Sue goes to visit her in prison. They have a trial. And then Mrs. Suxby is hanged. Yep. I was like, damn. A lot happens. Yeah. Obviously, if you can't tell. (laughs) Like, so much plot. So much happens. So much plot happens Mm -hmm. in this third portion of the story. Yeah. Um, Maude and Sue are basically free to go. They weren't charged with anything. Mm -hmm. And Sue eventually discovers the letter, uh, like the will that was written by by her her mom. true mother. And that explains everything about, like, them being switched at birth and... Uh, and realizes that Maude was, like, also... Tricked. Yeah, and was also, like, a victim like she was. Mm -hmm. And this makes Sue want to reunite with uh, Maude. And so after she reads a letter, she gets sick for a little bit and then seeks Maude out, goes back to her uncle's house, and at this point her uncle has died, and Maude is still there, and the two of them are able to reunite, which is really sweet. Yeah, for as many problems as I have with this, like, third act of the story, I really do like how Maude and Sue reunite at the end. Yeah. And how... Because, I mean, like, so much has happened between them. Yeah. That, like, any kind of, like, too happy of an ending would seem, like, forced or, like, mm-hmm. untrue to, like, the story up until this point. But, like, I think it gives it, like a hopeful enough tinge at the end Mm -hmm. that like, you know, it felt like the right amount. And I really did like where the story leaves off with them. Yeah. And so that's the book. A lot, a lot happens. Yeah. (laughs) When, when earlier on, when in the first portion with Sue, when they're escaping the home and there's like, 400 more pages and I was like what could possibly happen (laughs) and you're like I could have never foreseen this. not even close 
Let's uh, let's rewind things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to kind of go back to where the movie split off from the book, the source material. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had Sue's entire perspective. Everything was the same. Maud's perspective and her plan with gentlemen to fuck Sue over was pretty yeah. much the same. We, are, we get the double sex scenes. Yeah, we get the double sex scenes. We're still in Maud's kind of point of view. They have the fight yeah. about um, whether Maud should marry gentlemen or not. And Sue mm-hmm. says she, she, she Sue says she should. Wow, That's good a job. tough one. She sells, she sells. <laughs> nope, can't do no, it. I can't, no. <laughs> um, then we get a scene that is new that we haven't seen where Maud, after this fight, she takes this rope that she has, which we find out was the rope that her aunt was hanged by. Yeah. And she goes out to the cherry tree. She ties a noose and goes to hang herself. Yeah. And I think we we understand that she doesn't want to do this plot with gentlemen anymore. No. And in fact, when she's talked with gentlemen, you know, previously in the movie, she's it's kind of, we're kind of led to believe that she's going to kill herself or she's thought about killing herself yeah. before because of like just the horrible situation that she's in with her uncle. And in fact, gentleman promises her that on their wedding day, he will give her enough opium that she can take and it'll kill herself instantly mm-hmm. because she mentions like the basement of yeah. her uncle and that he threatened her and it has terrified her since then. And she knows too that I think her aunt was taken there when he killed her. And then, like, staged her hanging or something. Yeah. So she literally drops from the branch. And yeah. Then, but then she, like, stops kind of, like, midair. Uh-huh. And... We the, pan down. Yeah. And there's Sue. Like, she caught her by her legs. Yeah. And this is such a good scene. I love this. Like, I think it's kind of, like, it's darkly comedic. Yeah. And like almost kind of silly, but like the movie kind of has that tone anyway. So I think it works really well. I do too. And Sue at this point, it is like, I I have to tell you the truth. Like I, I'm in on this plot with gentlemen. He wants you to marry him. And then we're going to send you to the madhouse. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I have to tell you the truth. And there is a funny moment too, when they're having sex, where she says, I'll never betray you. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to come back later. And so I, I wonder if she just feels like she can't betray her. Yeah, you know? yeah. And then Maud, as she's hanging and Sue is like holding onto her legs is like, yeah, actually, I was going to fuck you over, too. And this was gentleman's plan all along to actually put you in the madhouse. And there's a moment when Sue finds this out and she's like, what? And she like lets go of Maud. And yeah. Like, she like is hanging by her neck for like a few seconds. She's like, <laughs> and like Sue's like, oh, sorry. And like kind of once again, like this kind of like darkly funny moment that yeah. like almost shouldn't work, but it does. But so at this point, Sue and Maud agree to like help each other. Help each other. And in fact, they like, write a letter to Mrs. Suxby or that character, mm-hmm. like, asking for help. I don't think we know at this point, like, what they need help with yet. Yeah. Um, But this is so fascinating because now the parts that we saw from Sue's perspective of when they escaped together, mm-hmm. there was this new agreement with her and Maude that we were unaware of. Yeah. And I we have to talk about that scene, though, when they go to the library. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my God. After they've confessed to each other and they're like, we have to help each other escape. 
uh, Maud takes Sue to the library and really shows her what is in this library, like yeah. the porn collection and everything that her uncle has been making her do. And I love how just outraged Sue is by this. Yeah. And I think Maud feels ashamed and she wants to show Sue, like, I'm not what you think. Like, I'm you know, maybe been tainted by this. And instead, Sue just gets righteously angry at the uncle for doing this to Maud. Yeah. It's so touching. And she, like, goes on this, like... Rampage. Yeah, and just starts destroying, like, every book, like, every print. Yeah. And I love they're in this library. It's kind of this cool feng shui kind of design where these there are these floor panels that move, mm-hmm. and there's, like, water. Yeah. And, like, sometimes they put plants there or something. There's a scene earlier where they establish that. Mm-hmm. But she pulls one of these floor panels back to show the water, and she just starts pushing all the books, like, into... Into the water. Into the... And, like, is stomping on them, and, like, it's just this great scene but like i like you said kind of this righteous anger she feels like towards the uncle yeah and this moment of like connection between her and maude mm-hmm. is so great to see yeah and maude actually calls her my savior yeah you know it's just really sweet and then like you were saying we kind of like go back to those scenes that we were seeing before from sue's perspective and we realize that oh the two of them were in cahoots at this at this point. And there's a great part, too, because earlier when in Sue's perspective, when they were escaping, they passed the cherry tree mm-hmm. and you see a noose yeah. hanging from the tree. And at first I was like, was that there before? Yeah. I was like, maybe that was like, maybe the uncle left that there from the aunt is like a creepy like sign. A warning. Yeah. But like, I didn't notice. But then you realize, oh, my God, that's from when uh, Maude tried to hang herself. Yeah. That's why the noose was up there. Mm-hmm. And there's a part too where when they're after the marriage, they're in this like waiting cottage or whatever for um, the doctors to come. They like kiss each other. Yeah. And it really seems like they're hiding it from gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. Yeah. And so then later on, you're like, oh, it's because they're just waiting for this plot to happen. So then they can like be together. Yeah. Cause it's, there's a similar part in the book where like, Maud kind of kisses Sue unexpectedly, clearly still having feelings, but Sue yeah. kind of denies her. But it didn't feel like that. It felt like no. they were both kind of like in on it. Yeah, which once again, it's one of those moments where you think is odd, but then you can you quickly forget about it. Yeah. Uh so they go through with Sue getting put in the madhouse. And it's even funny too, because like in my mind, so this whole twist of like them being working together is different than the book. And so in my head, you know, when Sue's getting pulled away, I was like, well, but doesn't this ruin the fact that when Sue is being surprised and dragged into the madhouse, why would she have that reaction? But then I'm like, well, no, because she has to pretend for gentlemen that she's being betrayed. Mm -hmm. So like everything still really holds up well. You know what I mean? Like It, it works. It does. Yeah. And so, you know, they've written to Mrs. Suxby or like the equivalent character in the movie. And so like, you know, while, while Sue's in the madhouse, they have like somebody come in and like set a fire and then uh, Sue is able to escape. Yeah. And then Maud herself actually plans because like she and gentlemen, you know, elope to I think Japan and he gets her money. And once he gets the money, she drugs him with some of the opium drops that he gave her. I thought that scene was like so good because yeah. like he's trying to like seduce her and actually 
you know, actually get to have sex with her. Yeah. And she's put the opium drops in his wine. Yeah. Which he's like not drinking. So she like starts taking mouthfuls of it and then kissing him and like forcing it into his mouth. Yeah. It's like a sexy thing. Yeah. So it's like kind of erotic, but then like he quickly before he can even like get his pants down. Well, I guess he does get his pants off, but he then does. he like promptly passes out. Mm-hmm. And so Maud's able to like escape from him. And at this point, Sue has like already like left the madhouse. Yeah. That's like maybe the one thing I'm not sure about is like Sue's escape from the madhouse is like very clean. Yeah. In the movie, there's like almost, but I guess it was because she had help. Yeah. So I guess it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Never mind. That's not really a, a gripe <laughs> I have then. And they uh, end up forging Maud's passport and dressing her up like a man. Yes. So they they put like a different photo. And so they're trying to get out of, I think, maybe Japan or where I don't know exactly where they are. Yeah, I wasn't totally like they take a ferry or some type of ship uh, across the water. So I'm like, is that to Japan? Like, I have no idea exactly where they are. Yeah. Um, But gentlemen, upon waking up from being drugged, discovers some goons sent by the uncle and so he gets dragged back to the house mm-hmm. uh, because the uncle knows, like, you took my niece from me. Yeah. And he wants revenge. Mm-hmm. So he takes him to the basement, a.k.a. his murder torture dungeon. This was maybe the part that I disliked the most yeah. of the movie. Um, maybe this felt more old boy to you. I don't know. But it was, like, yeah. very kind of violent. Like, he literally puts gentleman's fingers in a thing where he chops them off like one by one so yeah this was just like really horrifying we also see that like there's an octopus in there that i'm like is this like a tentacle porn thing yeah well and i mean we saw the image it's a real um like erotic print yeah uh, from japan called uh dream of the fisherman's wife Mm -hmm. where it's a woman being molested by an octopus yeah so we've seen that in the film so seeing the octopus down there is like an implication of like was this used on the ant in some kind of way and there's like body parts in, in jars in jars down there and so you're like has he like tortured people or is this just yeah. like his weird collection like what where's the line i'm not sure but gentleman eventually does get the upper hand by smoking these two cigarettes because he's like oh i just need a cigarette that are laced with mercury mercury yeah, yeah. and he kind of says like Yeah, one of these would have been enough to kill me, but, like, I also wanted to kill you because, like, the room is, like, full of smoke now. So he, like, manages to, like, kill the uncle at Mm -hmm. the same time. As killing himself. Yeah. I agree. This was, like, kind of a tonal shift in the story. Yeah. um, Into kind of this being, like, really violent. But I do find it interesting because, like, and I, I feel this way just about, like, Korean cinema as a whole is, like, they're much more willing to, like, shift genre yeah, a lot and kind of, like, introduce, like, you know, different types of, like, filmmaking in one movie mm-hmm. in, like, an interesting mashup. Like, um, Bong Joon-ho yeah. does that a lot with his films. And, and Old Boy, too, you know, that movie, everyone talks about the hallway fight scene in that movie that's, like, one long take. yeah. That's, like, one of only maybe two fight scenes in that movie. Like, it makes it seem like an action movie, and it's not at all. Hmm. So, like, similarly, like, this is, like, oh, is this, like, some kind of, like, torture, dark film? But it's, like, no, this is just, like, one One instance. One part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I did really love, though, when Gentleman's getting dragged to the uncle's house. He opens up his cigarette pack and he has like six or seven like regular cigarettes and then like three blue ones. He has three white ones and two blue ones. Ah, okay. Yeah. And and he I I felt like it was like a lot more (laughs) irregular. Maybe I'm not making that up. He grabs the three regular cigarettes, stuffs them all in his mouth, lights them all, and smokes them on the way to uh, the uncle's house. Which is like a funny moment. Like, it seems like, oh, he knows he's going to die. So he's just like literally smoking every cigarette he has in the car. So it like works as a joke in that moment. But then later on, you realize... He did it purposefully, so when he asks for a cigarette later... When he's being tortured. Yeah, he'll only have, like, the mercury ones left. Yeah. So I thought that was just... I think that is something that uh, the director of this film does really well of, like, Mm -hmm. setting Setting things up. up. Yeah, like, planting items or ideas or, like, little moments that are, like, really interesting and that have really good payoffs later. Mm-hmm. And then the final scenes of the movie are of Sue and Maude together on this boat, able to have sex with each other, and they're, like, able to have their happy ending literally sail off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. And both gentlemen and the uncle are dead, so they're free. Yeah. And they have the money, so they're good to go. They got everything. Yeah. Yeah, and we get this, like, sex scene, too, of, like, them with the bells. Yeah. Which is, like... Silly and kind of weird, but I think it's like I think it works well because like that was something that uh, Maude had read in a story before. Yeah. And now she's actually kind of getting to do it to like claim her own. Yeah. And it kind of talking about kind of ends on this like pretty tinkling sound of the bells as you see the ship. So Mm -hmm. like, honestly, it was it, it was good for as silly as it was. Yeah. And that's the book and the movie. What a what a time. I It's so crazy how similar they are until like this huge divergence in the story yeah uh and in fact um the author of the book what's her name sarah waters sarah waters uh was sent the screenplay for the film Mm -hmm. and she said she liked it but she thought more of it as being inspired by fingersmith than being like an adaptation of it yeah which is interesting because like on one hand i get it because like so much of the ending has changed but ultimately I mean, we've seen much more uh, liberal adaptations than this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, like, I think it's, like, honestly as close as, like, a lot of other adaptations. Yeah. And so let's talk about which one we like better. I am going to say pretty confidently, I think I like the movie better. I think I do, too, actually. And I was really wrestling with this. Yeah. Because I really did like the book. And I think it's important to mention that Sarah Waters is a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, a lesbian woman writing about lesbian women, which is really important for, you know, representation in fiction and in film. And we have a man directing this film. So um, I don't love that part as much, but... Oh, God, the book is just so complicated. I know the book really just I I don't it just felt I don't know if it felt the need to like do this like kind of big twist as it goes on. But like also the best parts of the book are like when Sue is undercover as the maid and like yeah. that engagement that's going on and like that dilemma and like. When All the parts from when they get to like Mrs. Suxby's house with Maud. Yeah. And those reveals and being in London and all that. And like the madhouse. Yeah, and not as good and interesting. No. And like, I like that the movie focuses on 
the, the stuff, two of them. Yeah, that was like the more successful aspect of the book. Yeah, because like you like the two of them together and them playing off each other and getting their different perspectives and finding out how they come together and what like what works and what doesn't and how they're both kind of tricking each other. And it is really, and maybe it's too simplistic for some people, but it is really satisfying to have the two of them admit the plots to each other Yeah, and decide to like throw off this manipulation that's happening Mm -hmm. and decide instead to work together. Yeah. I I just love that twist. And it's something interestingly that like, I don't think the books could the book could do because like the book is told from a first person perspective. So like you couldn't really have them in cahoots Mm -hmm. unless you told it from like gentleman's perspective or something. Yeah. Um, them, you know, forming this bond and this like figuring out what to do and how to take control of the situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I found that really satisfying and I liked it a lot and I Mm -hmm. like that it just has a, Kind of a happy ending. Yeah. You know, it, it's really nice to see them literally get to sail off into the sunset together. Yeah. And it's it's just great. I I liked watching the two of them together and, and the scenes together. And I love the book, too. Like, it was so engaging and I was really, like, interested in the plot. But I just think, like, we get that they're both tricking each other and that's cool. But then it's like, oh, they were actually switched at birth. And, like, oh, they were actually, like... One of them's Mrs. Suxby's daughter, and then oh, like this thing and this thing and this, and it just like gets so confusing. Yeah, and like it clouds for me, like the i the, all the themes that are going on in the story. Like, yeah. I can see how Mrs. Suxby's character and motives kind of play into like the role of women at this time and yeah. the, the few options they had in terms of like power power or getting money or like independence and like her struggle with that does connect. But like, yeah, the switch to birth, the, you know, lying upon lying upon plan, just the kind switching of like, on switching on switching. Yeah. Whereas like in the film, I just felt like a much stronger understanding of like the themes and ideas and everything. And that their motivation. Like, yeah. Yeah. It just like, connected with me a lot more i think yeah so i think we're both gonna say the movie yes although i really did enjoy the book as well something i really just like about the book as a whole is that like yes it is the story of two women and like this relationship that they form but it's like kind of just a aspect of like the larger plot like Mm -hmm. it's just an aspect of this kind of like story of deception and like romancing and I don't know. I feel like a lot of times like when a story focuses on or includes a queer relationship, it's a story like about that relationship. Like it's about these two people and their love. And like that is kind of the core of the story. But like um, there's other stuff going on. There's so much more going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that stories about they include straight relationships can like they do that a lot a lot but we don't get that usually with like a queer relationship yeah it's usually like about that like for you know the majority of the story Mm -hmm. so we're going with the movie yeah movie from both of us let's do lightning round yeah let's do a lightning okay so are you gonna do you want to go first should i go first i'll go first uh so there's this ongoing saga in the book of this one kind of side character who lives with mrs suxby named uh john johnny yeah uh and him making a dog skin coat yes 
His girlfriend, more like, makes. I guess, yeah. There, it's a it's a team effort. Yeah. And I was so confused at first. I think it's just a regular coat a person would wear. Yeah. Made of dog skin. He's a regular Cruella Deville. Yes. At first, though, the book describes it weird, and I thought he was making a coat of dog skin to put on other dogs to make them look like better breeds of dogs. Well, they are. Is that what they're doing? They're also doing that. They're doing that, too. They're doing that, too. And then the dog skin coat is separate. Is separate. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm like, so I cannot imagine a more horrifying Frankenstein. I mean, the poor dog. I know. They're putting another dog's skin. They're, like, sewing it onto the dog. And who could that possibly fool? I know. They're like, okay, we're going to let you look at this dog, but you have to stand 20 feet back. (laughs) And throw the money to us before you can have the dog. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I just, I can't even wrap my head around that one. Uh, so next for lightning round, I just want to mention. So in the movie, there's these bells that are like these sex balls, kind mm-hmm. of. And Maud reads from this like erotic book where it's talking about two women having sex and putting like the sex balls and using them for sex. And as she's reading, she's talking about it and she's like, okay, so they put like one end of the balls into like the one vagina mm-hmm. and then they put the other one into the other vagina and then they start to like, I'm guessing like scissor or whatever. And they just bonk the balls <laughs> together in their vaginas. And it makes like bell sounds. And honestly, to me that just sounded like not good, but also I'm, I'm not a lesbian. So like I cannot say, but just the, the idea of them, bonking the balls together like i was like no just you're used to the word bonk i can't think of a worse (laughs) sexy word to use than bonking (laughs) that's all i gotta say please write into us (laughs) um so i i have a new favorite um recurring gag in movies yeah by recurring i mean it's been in two films (laughs) but it's fancy upper class women being praised for their terrible artwork. Yes. Because. <laughs> oh my God. There was a similar joke and moment in the uh, movie Emma. Yes. The most recent adaptation of the Jane Austen book, Emma. But in this movie, because like, you know, gentleman is giving uh, mod art lessons and there's a scene where Sue is posing for them. <laughs> and we see gentlemen, you know, doing these like nice little like, gestural sketches of mm-hmm. her kind of like on his canvas just kind of quick and then the camera pans over to Maud and it's just this awful awful portrait of Sue I can't describe like just like the comedic nature of just seeing this like woman in like a beautiful like dress like with a big canvas like yeah. doing what looks like would be a like child's drawing. A child's <laughs> drawing. I it kills me. It is so funny. Oh my gosh. Maybe we'll have to try to find an image of. Oh, it or we something. should. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to try to find that. Okay. So last for lightning round, I just want to talk about. So when the doctors um, come to interview Maud about Sue being crazy, because we're in Maud's perspective, and mm-hmm. so they're like, "Oh, she thinks she's my maid and everything." And so the doctors are there, and we get this part. Where um, Richard speaks, which is gentleman, and he says, My wife was born to a literary life, 
Her uncle, who raised her, is a man dedicated to the pursuit of learning and saw to her education as he might have seen to a son's. Mrs. Rivers' first passion was books. There you have it, says the doctor. Her uncle, an admirable gentleman, I don't doubt, but the overexposure of girls to literature, the founding of women's colleges, his brow is sleek with sweat. We are raising a nation of brain-cultured women. Your wife's distress, I'm afraid to say, is part of a wider malaise. I fear for the future of our race, I may tell you now. (laughs) That he's like, oh, she read too many books and now she's crazy. I love it. Yeah. Oh my God, that was so funny. I thought, I remember at one point there's a part two where Sue is like, I'm not mod. I don't know how to read. I don't even know how to read or write. And there's a moment where the doctors, where she thinks she got through to them. Yeah. And then they're like, oh my God. Fascinating. Your psychosis is so bad. You forgot how to read it, right? <laughs> She's just like, oh my God. <laughs> so good. So that's the end of lightning round. And I just want to say thank you again to our patron, Pearl, for requesting this episode. This was such a great one to suggest. Really fun to do. So great to talk about. Yeah, I mean, great book, great movie. And just like the change of setting and like yeah. the context of, you know, the characters and like the countries they're in. And then also obviously the total change of like the third act of both stories yeah just made it a great one to talk about yeah so thank you again for requesting it and if you would like to support us on patreon if you have an episode idea that you'd like us to talk about the easiest way to do that is to become a patron because we're always doing patron requests so you can find us on patreon and uh, you can also look up all of our social media information on our website CoverToCredits.com. Yeah. And if you can't become a patron, uh, giving us a positive Apple Podcasts review um, or star rating is like uh, hugely appreciated and uh, very helpful for us to become like, you know, just more uh, discoverable for Mm -hmm. other listeners. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.